Pastor Xavier Reese. Challenging if God is really in control, then... What are the impossible things in your life that you limit the Lord for? God doesn't limit himself. Now, we know the extreme heresy of name it and grab it and, and all that positive confession stuff. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when God's directing you to do something, be obedient to, trust this for that. Then he calls you to faith. He calls you to depend upon him. Then you need to obey. God takes care of it. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. World peace, job security, world hunger. Man is on a quest for a utopia that was never intended to happen in this world. Today, as Pastor Xavier continues his expose of the Old Testament book of Isaiah, he reminds us of the importance of following the whole counsel of the Bible. Let's listen as he gets started with the text for his study. Isaiah chapter 31, verse 1 through 9. The message is entitled, Trust Not in the Arm of Flesh. Isaiah the prophet has been warning Judah about trusting Egypt for their strength. And he has been calling them to rather trust the Lord. But she has given a deaf ear to God. The prophet moves to pronounce the fifth woe in this section to Judah for going down to Egypt for help, revealing God in a threefold role as a father. First, the indignation against his people in verse 1 through 3. Secondly, the protection of his city in verse 4 and 5. And thirdly, the salvation of his people in verse 6 through 9. Let's begin here with the indignation against his people in verse 1 through 3. Notice in verse 1, God warned Judah against trusting in the military power of Egypt. They were going down to Egypt for help. Notice that. They were trusting in their horses. They were trusting in their many chariots, which are sort of like tanks and stuff like that. And so they were looking to this aspect of it, and yet the law warned the future king about depending on this. Verse 2 there, the people of Judah thought themselves wise in their decision to rely on Egypt, so the prophet proclaims that God is also wise and will bring disaster. The ongoing rebellion cannot be ignored. The ongoing alliance cannot be allowed. And so the Lord said he would arise against the help of those who work iniquity still there in verse 2. The Egyptians were ungodly. The Egyptians were taking the place of God. Notice 30 in verse 3. The Egyptians were men and not God. So here now God puts his finger on the truth. Here, listen to me well. The Egyptians are men, not God. The Egyptian horses were flesh, not spirit. And there's the problem. They're confusing the one for the other. When you start confusing flesh for spirit, when you start depending on flesh and calling it spirit, that's always a danger. He says the outcome would be that the flesh would lose. When the Lord stretches his hand, none would be able to stop or defeat him. Both he who helped and the Egyptians and he who would be helped, Judah, would fall. They all would perish altogether. How easy it is to look to the world, which is a type of Egypt, 
for our solutions as Christians rather than trusting in the Lord. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, as you know, says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean unto your understanding, and in all your ways he will acknowledge you. The tendency is always there. Trusting in our own understanding and cleverness in our ability to solve our problems. We think that, that we know better. The Word of God works. How often I hear from people says, well, you know, it, it doesn't work. That's a worse commentary on you than it is the Word of God. It's like somebody saying, you know, this gun doesn't work. What do you mean it doesn't work? It will work, but not against your will. That's the key. How we can trust in our own money, our positions of, in life rather than the Lord. We used to trust in the Lord. You remember the times when you just got started, newlyweds? You go back to the 60s, early 70s, all you had was a couple of beanbags. <laughs> Nothing else. You make your list to go shopping, you know, and you're going through the aisles and you're looking for the cheapest labels. Okay, this, this was good. This was cheaper. It's bigger too. Come on. Throw it in. And then even in line sometimes, you would, they ring it up and you go, oh, can we put this back? If you never had those days, I feel sorry for you. Those are good days. The tire blows up. The washer breaks. And the toilet backs up. All you've got is 25 bucks. Hmm. And we trusted God. And he opened doors and he did things. But now, well, I got some money. I got some comfort. Such a danger. For where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. Jesus said, Matthew 6, 21. We may not have to trust God for our daily bread any longer or watch our pennies. We may have sufficient savings to get out of any crises. We may feel very secure in our job position thinking that, hey, mama's up for retirement, got a good nest egg away, and we're talking and acting like the fool who says, you know what I'll do? I got too much stuff. I'm going to tear these barns down, build bigger ones. Then I'm going to tell my soul, soul, take your ease. You fool. Your soul's required tonight. How often God shows us this. But there is nothing wrong in and of itself of having a job, getting ready to retire having some savings. Nothing wrong with those things. The problem is in trusting in them, seeking the things rather than the kingdom, Matthew 6, 33. There's the danger all the time for you, for me. Your pastor's no exception. I'm just like you. I go through the same things that you do. No different. I have to trust him for my decisions, my marriage, my children, my plans as a Christian, just like you. He's a loyal father, a faithful father. This was the indignation against his people. Notice, secondly, he moves on to the protection of the city. Verse 4 and 5. First of all, in verse 4, the prophet Isaiah declares God would defend the city as a fierce and destructive lion. The form of speech is called simile. As a lion, 
A lion is the king of the beast, the king of the jungle. Nobody messes with him. The Lord Jesus is said to be the lion of the tribe of Judah who has prevailed in Revelation 5.5. 5. Notice the Lord would not be hindered nor taken back by the Assyrian army in verse 4. Even as a lion roars fearlessly and a young lion over his prey, when does this occur? It occurs once the lion has pounced and killed its prey. That's when it happens. He, is, he jumps on them and then he roars. If he roars before, he scares them away. God is identifying himself as this lion, this king. He's not intimidated. He's not afraid. And he has his prey under his eye. It is good as dead. When the multitude of shepherds, the Assyrian armies in this case, would be summoned against him, he would not be afraid of their voice nor be disturbed by their noise. In other words, like that lion that jumps on it and all these shepherds get around him trying to yell in their He just, he just, he, big deal. No one's taking this lamb from me. <laughs> it is mine. A very picturesque scenery for God's people. They understood it. They were familiar with it. And then the Lord would defend Jerusalem. The Lord of hosts would come down to fight for Mount Zion. The psalm declares, but God chose the tribe of Judah, Mount Zion, which he loved. Psalm 78, 68 through 69, and then later built the sanctuary there. He loved Mount Zion. He chose it. The whole argument of who does the Temple Mount belong to, it belongs to God <laughs> and the people of God. Zion, the city of Jerusalem. God is saying, I, like a lion, I'm going to come. No one's going to be able to oppose me. But notice, secondly, the prophet Isaiah declares in verse 5 that God would defend the city as a swift and vigilant bird. Two different metaphors. One of strength, sternness, destructiveness. Now, smallness. Seemingly defenseless, but swift and effective. The form of speech, again, is simile. As a bird. A bird is small, but when her young are being threatened, the size of the intruder is no discouragement. You ever see these little birds and their crows get by their nest? They're like old bombers. They just go after them. They don't care. Notice the Lord of hosts is the one who would protect Jerusalem. Very important. This is the second time in these two verses the phrase appears. The phrase, as you know, refers to the captain of the armies of heaven, which are, by the way, spirit, not flesh. He is God. They are angels and not men. So here again you have the contrast that he already laid out in the first three verses. This is the 53rd time this phrase appears in the book of Isaiah. The Lord of hosts. Whenever you come across this phrase, back off. He's never lost a fight. The message is clear through the key phrase. God is in control of everything. And he is ready to defend his people and his city. Now notice the promise was that he, in defending it, 
He would deliver it, pass over it, and he would preserve it. It would seem like an impossibility apart from Egypt. Yet God would do it. Jeremiah 32, 27 says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? And the context is that God was going to take Israel into captivity and then bring them back to the land. What are the impossible things in your life that you limit the Lord for? Are you going to be like the children of Israel in the wilderness that you limit the Lord? God doesn't limit himself. Now, we know the extreme heresy of name it and grab it and, and all that positive confession stuff. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when God speaks to you and God is talking to you, God's directing you to do something, be obedient, to, to forgive your husband, to, to trust this for that, to do this and that, or whatever it may be, you fill in the blank. Then he calls you to faith. He calls you to trust. He calls you to depend upon him. Then you need to obey. God takes care of it. 2 Kings 7, 18 through 20, it says, So it happened just as the man of God, Elijah, has spoken to the king, saying, Two seahs of barley for a shekel and seahs of fine flour for a shekel shall be sold tomorrow about the time of the gate of Samaria. And then the official, the officer answered the, the man of God, says, Now look, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, could such a thing be? Because there was famine in Israel. The Syrian army is outside and camped around Israel. But God Wiped them out. And the four lepers went out there, and they saw all this food and everything, started eating. They said, man, we, this isn't right. God's going to get us. Let's go back and tell the city. So the very next day, they brought the flower, and this man that says, could such a thing be if God opened the windows of heaven? He saw it, but he didn't taste it. The crowds trampled him at the gate, just like the prophet said. What is too hard for God in your life? Only unbelief limits him. Very important. We have to be also careful that we not become like Israel who reject the wooing of God. And even as Jesus said, oh, how many times I wanted to gather you as a hand gathers the chicks on their wings, but you would not. So I leave you desolate. Matthew 23, 20, 37 to 38. He wants to protect. He wants to defend. He wants to care for. That's what he wants to do. We need to put on the whole armor of God that we may be filled with the power of his might and stand, Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. His armor. We can't be so self-sufficient that we attempt to be the providers of our home and our own flesh and our labors in vain. Now, it's good you're a hard worker. I like hardworking men, men who are responsible to take care of their home. But you could be doing it in such a way to where you're really not dependent on the Lord. You're in charge. And the Lord gets sooner or later get cut out one way or the other. And the world may look and say, man, he's good. And God says, no good. The world says, that's great. God says, great destruction. See, the perspective is different. You alone can make those judgments. You have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Often men work very, very hard on their own apart from God, though they're Christians, and God takes it from them. Listen to Psalm 127.1. Unless the Lord builds a house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. Listen, if God has blessed you, I'm happy for you. But you have the Lord in priority. Because if you don't, 
Remember, he gave it to you. And you can take it away. No one's exempt. This was the protection of the city. Notice lastly here. The salvation of his people in verse 6 through 9. First in verse 6, the prophet pleads with the people to repent from the rebellion towards God. Repentance is a change of mind. A change of mind about God, who he is. He's the creator. He's the savior. He's not a man. A change of mind about sin that separates us from God. And it must be confessed. A change of mind about depending on self and depending on God. The most basic thing, do you go to bed and say, Lord, thank you for these sheets? Thank you for this bed? Thank you for the bathroom I have? Thank you for just the, the, the things that are just common? Thank you for my health? Thank you that I'm, I'm able to love someone and someone can love me in a way that I could never have thought of. Basic, simple things. Notice, secondly, in verse 7, the prophet looks into the near future, the day that would bring repentance to God's people of Judah. So he shows a glimmer of light, hope. In the midst of this dark period, he gives a ray of hope. It is going to happen. Some are going to turn. Every man would throw away his idol of silver and gold, which was sin. Idolatry is the greatest insult to God, for it makes him an extension of man. Idolatry makes God less than man. The idols had been made with their own hands. Notice that. They fashioned them with their existing material and they called them gods. They had lost the consciousness of God and they sought to secure it by a physical representation. Listen, if you are always living your life by emotions and by things that happen, then you lose the consciousness of God real quickly. You want a physical representation to forget that. Sometimes maybe God will deal with you at a retreat or, or something will happen at a certain service. And if you have to get back to that retreat or if you have to go to that location, you've lost the consciousness of God and you want a physical representation. It's wrong. Take that experience and make it a pile of stones like the Old Testament so you can look back and say, man, God met me there, but he's going to meet me another way again. I don't know how, but I don't live in the past. But I look to the past to affirm that God has been with me and I've been walking with God. That's important. Psalm 135, 15 through 18 says, The idols of the nations are silver and gold, the work of man's hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have uh, eyes, they can't see. They have ears, they can't hear. Nor is there any breath in their mouth. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. They become just like their idols, insensate. You can't see God. You can't hear God. And you can't walk with God. You become just like your idol. Hmm. Notice thirdly. Verse 89, the prophet looks into the future declaring the destruction of Assyria. Assyria, verse 8, would fall by the sword, not of man. A sword, not of mankind, would devour him. The Lord sent out one angel, 185,000 Assyrians, frontline truths, Dead. Dead as you can be. The record is given to us in 2 Kings 19, 35 through 37, but also Isaiah 37, 36 gives it to us here. A few pages forward. It says, Then the angel of the Lord went out and killed the camp of the Assyrians, 185,000. And when the people uh, rose early in the morning, there were the corpses all dead. One angel. Jesus could have called on legions 
Why? Because they're not flesh. They're spirit. Do you understand the distinction between flesh and spirit? Flesh is very limited. It's very temporal. Spirit is not limited, and it's eternal. Verse 9, the destruction would send the other armies of Assyria running back to Assyria. King Sennacherib would be afraid. The young men would be put to forced labor. The princes would be afraid. The Lord would be a fire in Zion, a furnace in Jerusalem. Can you imagine the report that went forth? Nobody wanted to come near Jerusalem. <laughs> you see, God's in control. You have an Assyrian in your life? <laughs> and God is telling you, hey, back off. Do it. Second Chronicles 26, 14 through 16 says, And Uzziah prepared for them, for the entire army, shields, spears, helmets, body armor, bowls, and slings to cast stones. And he made devices in Jerusalem, invented the skillful men to be on the towers and the corners to shoot arrows and, and large stones. So his fame spread far and wide, for he was marvelous help till he became strong. But when he was strong, his heart was lifted up to his destruction, for he transgressed against the Lord his God by entering into the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. Second Chronicles 26, 14 through 16. Oh, we are help from the Lord, and God does great things. But when we become strong in ourselves, we add to our own hurt. And how I have seen this through the years. Repentance is at the heart of the gospel, for without it, you cannot be saved. 2 Corinthians 7.10 speaks of two different repentance. That which is regret, you just got busted, you don't want the consequence, that's what you're sorry for. But there's real godly repentance that you see yourself as a sinner, you call upon God. That's the one God is after. Repentance is evident by walking in the spirit, not in the flesh. The flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, so you cannot do that which you would, Galatians 5, 16 and 17. So we're to walk in the spirit, that we not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We're not to make provisions for the flesh, Paul tells the Romans. We are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. We can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens us, Philippians 4, 13 says. All things that he tells me to do, not presumptuousness. I'm to do only what God tells me to do. And then God will honor it. And so this was the salvation of his people. The prophet has pronounced the fifth woe on Judah for going down to Egypt for help, a type of the world. Idolatry. It can be in many different forms. It can be your car in the parking lot. It can be your kids in the nursery. It could be your wife or your husband next to you. It could be your profession. It could be your bank account. They're still around today. God has been revealed to us here through the threefold role of a father. The indignation against his people, the protection of his city, and the salvation of his people. A faithful God. Woe to those who lean and depend on their flesh and trust in it. It'll destroy you.
God would have you to lean on Him wholeheartedly. If God is really in control, then why do we live like He isn't? A somber reminder from Pastor Xavier Reese. You can pick up your own copy of today's message, Trust Not in the Arm of Flesh, for just $4 on CD. And this will also include what Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together. So once again, the title to ask for is Trust Not in the Arm of Flesh, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please be sure and include the call letters of this station somewhere in your correspondence. This information is helpful when we check on the impact of this outreach in your area. The Bible promises relief, but that's not until after the trials. Find out more when you tune into the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Don't miss it. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com